What do you eat for a 135-mile run across Death Valley? Well, that's what we're going to get into today in our Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast episode. Welcome to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast, your source for all things sport nutrition related. This show is hosted by myself, Bob Sibahar, and my awesome co-host, Dina Griffin, who between both of us, we have over 40 years of experience as sports dietitians. We are here to help you provide some translations of nutrition and sports science to real life, give you some great interviews with athletes, professionals, other individuals in the health and nutrition field, where you can enhance your knowledge and bring a great nutrition conversation to Bay for you each week. Now, today's episode is kind of interesting as you kind of learn from my intro, right? Today, Dina and I are talking to Linda Quirk. Now, <laughs> Linda is an amazing lady. And let me just let me just start out with one of her life mantras: commit and figure it out later. So it's a common statement heard from this amazing athlete, Linda. She has undertaken a number of athletic tr challenges in her 50s and beyond. In fact, she didn't start her endurance sport career until she was in her mid to late 40s. She recently set the record for the first woman at age 70 to complete the 135-mile grueling run, Badwater 135, in Death Valley, her list of athletic accomplishments includes seven marathons and seven continents, the Ironman World Championships in Kona, the Brazil 135 Ultra Run, several Racing the Planet stage races, and Route 66 Ultra Run. Tune in to hear about her journey into endurance sport, why she pursues challenging races, and details that Dina and I get into about her two-time Badwater 135 finish. So we're going to kind of uncover her nutrition secrets, if you will, not that it's nutrition secrets. Now, towards the end also, or after we wrap up with Linda, Dina and I are going to do a little separate crewing episode for the Badwater 135. So you're going to want to pay attention to that because that is when we divulge Linda's nutrition total quantities of carbs, protein, fat, fluids, caffeine, everything. So be sure to listen to the first and part, uh, first and second part of this series. We definitely appreciate it. Now, before we do get on to the episode, this episode is brought to you by both Energy Performance and Nutrition Mechanic. If you would like to learn about the awesome group nutrition coaching programs that both Dina and I have coming up in the near future, please head on over to our respective websites. And now onto the show. Dina, oh my gosh, um, I know how nervous you get with some of our guests and your hands are sweating and everything. And today is probably one of, I'm just going to say this, probably our most special guest yet on our podcast. And for many reasons, because we are so close to her, we've known her for so long, but also because of um, just what an unbelievable person and not even accomplishments, just person overall. So Dina, let's introduce our best friend, Linda Quirk. Linda, I mean, it's such an honor to have some time with you on the air here on our uh, recording, but yes, truly inspiring. And so we are so honored to have you on with us today. Welcome. Well, thank you. I mean, this is actually really fun. I get to do talk to you guys without 
you telling me what to do or eat. <laughs> or spray you with water or yeah. Yeah, yeah. force feed you sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have another bite. Well, we, I know, I know. We did want to talk. We're going to kind of loop in your Bad Water 135 experience here and, because that's kind of the focus of this and just, just the amazing experience you had there and, and all of us had there. But first, because our listeners may or may not know too much about you, even though you are so accomplished and I know you don't really want to be accomplished, but you are right. Can you take us through, like, you are such an inspiring ultra endurance athlete, but I think, I, I think when you first started, it was a little bit later in life. Right. And it, mm -hmm. it's funny because a lot of people have different motivations of getting into endurance events. What was your motivation? How did you just get into endurance sports in general? Um, well, I mean, it's, I didn't start running actually. Um, there wasn't really, to be honest, I am 70. And so back in the day, there really wasn't a whole lot for women to do. In fact, it wasn't until after I graduated high school that women were actually allowed to run a marathon. So it wasn't ever on my my list of things, although I was avidly involved in say like the hiking club that we had in high school. And I would, I would do that. And I, I swam. So, but not competitively because I uh, couldn't afford it. So right. to be on a team and there were no teams in our high school for that. So on a dare from my father, my brother, not my father, my father yeah. would not, <laughs> but my <laughs> brother, um, when I was 35 years old, he said, hey, you want to run a marathon with me? And so, you know, I said, sure. Um, I had never run a 5K. I'd never done any race, period, uh, running race. And I wasn't really even a runner. In fact, I didn't really enjoy running. So I decided to do it with him. I had no training, just decided to get myself out every morning and put in the miles and we ultimately both ran the LA marathon together and um, oh. I suffered through that, <laughs> definitely <laughs> suffered through that. But there was a feeling that I got when I finished that, that I almost can't really pinpoint, but it sparked something in me that said, wow, you know, you, you could do this if you chose to. So I continued periodically running marathons, um, a few more. And then at the age of 45, um, my oldest son said, Hey mom, let's do an Ironman. Well, I'm like, but Jason, I, I've never, I, I know how to ride a bike, but I don't know how to ride a bike with gears and I yeah, don't even yeah. own one. And <laughs> okay, I'll <laughs> figure it out. So I get on the internet, much how I found you, Bob, and yeah. I'm looking in the area in Northern California where I live, is there a triathlon coach that I can hire to teach yeah. me all this stuff? And ultimately, I found actually um, a, a pretty incredible one. Um, Mark Evans at the time was, yeah. you know, he had worked with, you know, all the big name guys back in the day. So again, I didn't think that I would ever, you know, he would even entertain, you know, working right. with me, but he did. So I um, went and did the um, Ironman Florida at that time. 
And because it was flat and Jason was at the time he was in the Navy. So he was in Virginia. So, you know, he could actually get there, except 9-11 happened and he was not able to go, you know, so many miles outside of an area um, of where he lived because the Navy wanted them close by. So uh, I went ahead and did it myself. I was petrified but i do remember this is one saying that i will always be very um thankful to mark for giving me because i can remember it to this day i was kind of really nervous about could i do this could i finish it and he said linda the minute you put your foot in the water you've completed it because you're not going to turn around and go back. You're going to just keep going, which is ultimately what I do now in pretty much everything. And it's so, so from true. There, yeah. So from there, I, I, you know, I, I went through a period where I had a, you know, extremely bad bicycle accident on a century ride. I had already qualified at that point in time for long course worlds in Sweden Mm-hmm. But I was not cleared um, because I wasn't able to do anything for a long period of time. I had um, some pretty bad head injury um, mm-hmm. where I broke everything in my head, basically, all the occipital yeah. bones around my eyes, everything. Oh, so, but, you know, knowing me, I did my required sit by myself for almost six months or whatever. And wow. then I decided that I wanted to get back on that bike. And so I enlisted Jill Gass, my other bicycle coach, who is another amazing person. And she literally put her hand on my back to calm me down, to get me to be able to to ride again. So long story short, I went ahead and I, I got back. I went to Sweden, wasn't my finest, but I did complete it, but I just wanted to complete it. But from that moment on, I was like, okay, I got to get to Kona to just finish off triathlon. And the only way to get to Kona, and and you're probably seeing a pattern. You will see a pattern with me here. I had to do my research and find out where I stood a chance because I was, what, 55, somewhere around there, 53, I think, at the time. And I had to come in first in my age group in order to get the slot. So I found that Lanzarote, Spain was, you know, there were only three, me and two other women, because a lot of women weren't going to do that one at the time. Right. Well, now I know why a lot of people, you know, it's a tough one. It's (laughs) it's actually harder than Kona in my mind. But I didn't realize that until I drove the course once I was there. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. So, again, I I raced it. Um, I was very um, tentative on the bike, obviously, because it's very European, like a lot of hairpin turns and rutted, you know, like your arms are literally moving on that. It's like, you know, the volcanic uh, rock that you're going over a lot of accidents in that one. But I didn't come in first. I came in second to a a German woman. And for whatever her reasons were, she declined the slot. She had been to Kona before. She was an accomplished triathlete. And I remember standing on the podium my my first time on a podium. I'm like jazzed. (laughs) I mean, we had 
we knew we were going to get there because there was only three of us. So (laughs) standing on those blocks, I'm going, you know, and I, I thanked her because you have to be there to accept it. It rolled down to me. And I knew at that point in time that it was meant for me to go to Kona. So I did, I qualified there. I, I went to Kona, brought the whole family, but it was the very last time. I just enjoyed every minute of Kona. I didn't worry about time. I just wanted to absorb it because I had promised the family that it would be the very last time I was on a bike because it was too hard for me and it was too hard for them to watch. And it it wasn't until recent, actually right before Badwater, I actually, I got to say this. I know I'm taking up probably so much time, but I found a book, uh, uh, like uh, the family had made me a book of, of my pictures from Lanzarote going into Kona and they all wrote something in it. And there was, both of my parents have passed on and there was from my father and my mother, what they thought of me and my father who was in the Navy, but petrified of water and swimming was like, I'm writing this in real time. So she's entered the water and will she make it out? Blah, blah. I mean, it was like oh my uh, gosh. incredible. And so what a time to actually find that because we've moved, <laughs> so I moved it around yeah. so many times that I found it and I read it right before this year's Badwater. I never oh, divulged it, buddy, but it was, um, yeah, it was kind of cool. So from there, I just, I, the adrenaline rush that I needed was still there. I just didn't, I had to find a way to translate that into something else. And so that's when I decided and actually ran Kona um, in support of um, addiction treatment at that mm-hmm. point in time. So that was when I decided, oh, I, I'm going to run a marathon on every continent in uh, under a year and then that way i can raise even more money <laughs> yeah. well you know the family is can't you do it over a course of years and no i want to do it in a year why not yeah. so yeah, exactly. off off i went i did that i finished that and then i thought so what's next so then research again <laughs> dean carnassus and um the south african guy were the two first to actually run uh, men to do uh, racing the planets for desert series in one year. So I sent off an email to now I know Mary Gaddams really well and, and Samantha and them. And I said, Hey, as a woman ever tried, you know, cause I'd like to try to do this. I had never even run a trail race. I had no <laughs> clue what I was doing. And Hello. that's when, you know, I knew I had to do things differently. So that's when I Googled Bob, and yeah. thought, would he take me on? Because I knew nutrition was going to be a big thing. So that right. that's kind of how I do everything. It's like I commit and think and figure it out later. Yeah. And it's that, helped me well. <laughs> I actually wish more people would do that. It's an interesting way to live life. And I've actually reflected on that quite a bit. Is is like I think a lot of people are very timid. But you know, I, I wrote down something that you said, and I'll probably come back to it repeatedly. It seems like one of your I don't want to call it a life motto, but maybe, maybe it was a life motto. Why not? Right. I think that really Mm -hmm. fits Linda Quirk. Like why not? Or don't tell me I can't do it. Right. (laughs) And also I wrote down this, Bob, 
something that Linda says often is I'll figure it out no matter the challenge. And I've only known you Linda for maybe 10 years, but it's a thing that I've seen from you. You, you figure it out, whether it's in the moment or very proactively or whatever the reason. So I just wondered, Linda, if you could share a little bit when you mentioned fundraising for Mm -hmm that role, because it was really important and I'm sure still is just some of that inspiration for getting in. Yeah, that was a huge part of, you know, if I backtrack really to when I had the head injury, I had to sit with myself for a very long time. I couldn't watch TV, couldn't read books. I couldn't guard, couldn't anything because they didn't want any movement at all um, and no pressure. So you sitting with yourself is actually a really good thing to say, okay, why? And it always, and it still haunts me to this day. Why was I left on this earth? Because by all rights, I did a, a head plant into this, into the ground, um, mm. still connected to my bike. I flipped up and then came down yeah. by all rights. I should have been either paralyzed or not here. And it happens in a flash. And you know, so it, it just kind of like sat there for a long time. And at that point in time, I knew that, you know, addiction had entered my family and in ways that I never would have. And I, you know, you don't understand at the time. I never was exposed to it growing up, never understood it. And so I felt like, you know, at the time, my stepdaughter um, was in treatment center and we were going through family therapy. And I realized then that, you know, we could afford to put her into a really good treatment center. But a lot of those people were there um, because of scholarships. So Hmm. that was when I got the light bulb that said, well, as Linda would say, I can raise a million dollars by doing X, Y, Z. I throw this, I figure, put the big number out there, because even if you don't meet it, you'll either get close or exceed it. That's again, the way I think. So that's when, um, and it was not until after the seven marathons on the seven continents that I then formed my own foundation, which was run well. And Mm -hmm. we took um, patients or people who had gone through treatment and were in recovery. We took them on and trained them and to run desert races, to step outside their comfort zone, to have a healthy outlet where they were running marathons. And I did that for probably eight years and, you know, finally realized that it was time because I was kind of the face, the do, the train, everything, and kind of became a lot for me. Mm -hmm. So I handed it over to the treatment center that I actually um, was raising funds for. So that, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been a huge, huge part of why I did what I did over the years. It's such a, it's such a great why it's not just, Hey, I want to, you know, do something in the sport. Like you really did something with sports, right. Which is fantastic. And I see a lot of people doing that, not to the extent that you've, you've done it, but such, I mean, such respect for that, for sure. That's just, you know, and in both Dean and I've been part of that, you know, throughout the past, just, it's so inspiring to see it from the outsider looking in and see all these people participate in things that they don't even, they, they don't, they're not even used to walking. Right. And now they're right. running and doing all these things. So, yeah. 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 Just opens yeah. up 
their world in a different way. And it does. Ha- happily, a lot have glommed on to that now. We're, and there are many more organizations doing this. But at the time, there really weren't any no, for addiction. And so that I feel really, really good about it because they did see the relevance in all of this. And now they're taking it and running with it. <laughs> right. Running. Yeah. There you go. Running. No nice. pun intended. <laughs> pun intended. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, let's let's shift, if you don't mind, let's shift to Badwater, okay. the toughest brace on earth uh, for many, many reasons. And we can get into that, but I just, I do, I want to hear the backstory of this because 10 years ago, you did your first bad water 135. And for our listeners not familiar with this, you, you can obviously Google this, go to badwater.com, but it is a 135 mile race from, you know, I believe it's 282 feet below sea level up to the mid 8,000 feet to the Mount Whitney portal. And in, in, it's just an amazing feat, number one, because it is through Death Valley, number one, uh, the heat, number two. And, you know, it's just such a strain on the body. But, you know, 10 years ago, because both Dean and I were part of this process and we were on your crew uh, 10 years ago, but I really want to hear what the heck was the motivation for Badwater 135 10 years ago? What happened? What was going through your head? Um, 10 years ago, I had already completed all of the um, required things that you need actually to apply. Because you can't just say, I want to run bad water and put in an application. You actually have to go through a process. And then even that application process, they, they read through it. They look through it. They really scrutinize because, you know, there's a lot of people that apply. And so... At that time, um, there was only, uh, there was one other woman who had completed Badwater at the age of 60, but she had done it even, I think it was like eight or 10 years or maybe longer, 15 um, years, I, I'm forgetting now. Yeah. So it had to been extremely hard for her not having even what the knowledge and the different um, things that we had. So. My idea was at that time was to apply and because women weren't going too far, you know, past Mm. 60 and still to this day, they're starting to, but it's, it's a slow process. And I thought, well, men are going, why are we not continuing on? And so it wasn't for me to beat her record or to do anything other than enhance what she had accomplished because I always saw her as like the one that had she was the person that forged the way for a lot of women to be able to do it and so I set out to do it back then for that reason because there was only one other woman who had done it and I thought well you know again all these these men they were doing it to this day men are still they're in their 70s doing this mm-hmm. and i'm thinking why are we not there so so you were trying to reason. kind of push the needle a bit for females and it. saying hey yeah. yeah say hey this is possible like just because yeah. like age as we all know is just a number right but don't yeah. let age dictate what you can or can't do right right and and i often wondered why women weren't pushing the envelope like that. And part of my motivation, as you know, both of you know, is like, I love the scientific part of it. I love finding out what my body is capable of. And actually, I'm I'm quite amazed that even today that I'm, I'm still doing what I'm doing, because we have different, 
Dina can really attest to this, you know, like we, we have different issues and things that we have to deal with versus men, you know, mm -hmm. and so it, it complicates it a little bit, you know, and totally. um, yeah, so why not try? Yeah. So let's compare and contrast. So you finished Badwater now second time this year, 10 years later, what was the motivation for this round? Same motivation. Same thing. I love that. No woman, to my knowledge, had ever applied, let alone been accepted, let alone finished. Wow. And I thought, hey, somebody, just like the woman before me, has to set that bar to say, hey, we can do this. Like, look at, you know, I mean, I looked at... Bob Becker, 76, and look what he yeah. was able to do. Yeah. I mean, totally amazing. And, you know, I said to him, would you please quit setting that bar even higher? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to be 80 and try to go out there. But, you know, I, I would never say, say you, never. Yeah, you <laughs> kind of set the set the bar kind of high, haven't you? <laughs> For yeah. yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that was it. That was the motivation okay. again for that one. So what do you think, sorry, Dina, I'm, I'm hogging, hogging the time, jump in if you want, but what were like 10 years ago versus this year with Badwater, what, what were some of the things like your highlights, your challenges from 10 years ago to this time around, you uh, know, number one versus number two, what, what really stands out the differences or the challenges? The challenges, the first time, obviously I was pretty unaware, uh, mm -hmm. other than knowing that we had to deal with the heat the radiant heat off the ground. I really didn't realize um, some of the issues that I ultimately would have to deal with. And the biggest one for me was my back went out mm. in the first. And by the time I got to Lone Pine, I was completely hunched over. It was just the muscles gave out. So, and again, we were doing it at a different time of, of day. So the first year we started in the morning and then got to the portal, you know, climbing up to the portal uh, that last 12 miles from Lone Pine um, at night. So I wasn't really looking at mm -hmm. what we were climbing up. I, yeah. you know, so, but I was doing that completely hunched over. And I remember we got to that last checkpoint where they can tell you, they can still cut you off. And they said, are yeah. you, are you able to go? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going. I still had time. Yeah. And I was still okay. I was upright, not completely upright. I was punched <laughs> over, but still on my two feet. And I remember thinking like, okay, just, just grind it out here. And I think it took me like, I went a mile an hour or whatever it was. Yeah, it took yeah. like forever to get up there. So I did it. So this time around, I'm like, well, even through, um, uh, even when I ran the 140 for the Route 66 one, yeah. I was concerned about my back. So I was back in the gym. I was doing back exercises, hoping that didn't happen. And so lo and behold, it didn't happen at Route 66. I had no, no back issues, nothing. Yeah. Then we get to Badwater this year, same place, I believe same area it starts to happen but not in the back but to the side so my mm. muscles then are giving out on the side I'm like what the heck you know I mean I did everything it didn't happen at route 66 why is it happening here 
And in hindsight, it, it really is, I believe, because going up Father Crowley's and coming down, that road is cantered. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's because we have to be on that other side of the road that my back just no matter how much I work, because it has never happened to me in any other race, but Badwater. But this time, I was able. <laughs> this is where I get, you know, the ingenuity, which I didn't have at the first yeah. one, I didn't yeah. think this through. I'm like, you know, that big uh, ice kerchief that you know that Vincent uh, gave me from Trail Toes right before was long. It was a big longer yeah. one. So I asked you guys, can you please fill that up with ice? I remember I put it around my waist, and I was able to use it to not only ice the back but leverage me to the left. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yay, this is working. I I maneuvered faster than the last time up the portal road. Not a whole lot faster, but it didn't take, I was going more than a mile. Yeah, for sure. A lot faster. Yeah. And I still think Linda, of course I'm biased, but like if you hadn't been doing the strength work, Mm. you know, that, that was in your program with Bob and everything, how I think that outcome would have been worse. So, I mean, I, for sure. It's so great. yeah, I'd have toppled over the side. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about nutrition, Linda? I mean, I know oh, you've been on quite a nutrition another, journey for yeah, decades, no, but I have um, been, but I will tell you, I have simple with Bob's help, we have simplified this to the point where even through Route 66, we tried it out. And Badwater this time was completely different than the nutrition that I was using Badwater the first time. Yeah. The first time. I didn't, I was using predominantly you can and few other things, but what I didn't realize is the flavor that I was using with you can had sucralose in it. And unbeknownst mm-hmm. to me, my body doesn't handle sucralose at all. Cause I never had any GI distress or anything working with it over, you know, and I was in heat in Florida. So it wasn't that, but I had the worst GI issues going on in bad water that year. This year, we had it to where I was using the butters, the new, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're in new packaging now, which is, that's even really cool. The nut butters, along with when I wanted real food, it was turkey wrapped in like a lettuce, piece of lettuce and avocado, or even just avocado. And it got to the point where in that heat, you can't swallow that well a lot of times because you're so dry Mm -hmm. that Bob wanted me to eat. I needed to eat something, but he put it on a piece of soft bread and he mashed up avocado with salt and pepper. And it was like, perfect. Yeah. That's pretty much my entire, you know, regimen throughout Badwater. I was amazing. Linda, do you want to talk about the secret weapon? that you've oh been are using. we gonna share this i know secret? i'm on the I, fence I whether i'll tell the okay. world but well yeah okay. i i really should because i also have been training with and using the um, delta g ketone esters and so i i do use that every morning the coffee one in my coffee but in race mode we tried it out and both dina and bob we're testing my ketones to see how I reacted in race mode using the performance esters. Mm-hmm. 
And we then translated that and used them in Badwater. It was, I think it's a, it was a huge game changer for me, especially at 70. I don't, you know, I'm wondering, I mean, I will always wonder because I always keep trying to perfect and I'm sure both of you do too, especially on yeah. the nutrition part of it. How can we perfect that even more? Because there were times this time around that I thought I probably could have done more, ate more, or it, it's just getting my mind to say, uh, yeah, I, I'll accept, you know, like poor Dina, she's always saying, do you think you could eat a little bit more? And I'm like, no, I, do. I don't want any more bites. <laughs> I get really grumpy. And so I probably needed it, yeah. but I just can't mentally work that to chew and get it mm -hmm. down. And that is where the ketones, I think, came in and they made me, helped me to be a little more clear and a little more cognitively. It's not doing anything nutritionally that way, but cognitively, it's like I wake right up and all of a sudden I have this burst of energy that I couldn't find just in food at that point. Mm -hmm. And I yeah, mean, you guys can probably say, yeah, you can probably say and talk about, because I, I wasn't. I don't know how to relate it to like when they dropped and when they, and I also right. am wearing the glucose monitor because if you remember correctly, my, my uh, blood sugar level was dropping in route 66. Mm -hmm. So things like that, that I wasn't aware of years ago that now I'm more aware of. Yeah. It, it's just amazing. Like night and day difference, but I, I want to yeah. highlight this for our listeners because a lot of our ultra endurance athletes I mean, Dean and I, we work with so many of them, right? And we hear just these these horrific stories and GI distress and oh, I'm taking gummy bears, I'm taking bananas, I'm taking this, I'm taking... But you literally just told us how simple it... I'll just say this, how simple your nutrition should be. Mm -hmm. Like instead of putting all of this stuff in the garbage can, i.e. your stomach, right? Your digestive system and kind of seeing what happens, kind of like a garbage disposal you know, why not just make it easy? So let me just recap here. So throughout the race, listeners, Linda had you <laughs> can powder, right? Um, mixed with, uh, sometimes mixed with Delta G ketone esters, the performance one. And that wasn't every feeding. It was just strategically right. placed. Uh, we had some, I'm calling it avocado toast, although I did not toast the bread. Um, I, I could have, I could have it within <laughs> about five pavement. seconds. Yeah. Put it on there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a couple of things of avocado toast. We'll call it. We had some turkey wrap stuff, um, which which was like a, a game changer too. And then we had again some of the new energy butters. And sorry, shameless plug here for my company, All Around Snack Co. We use those strategically, and and water and ice and honestly, in some you can hydrate for electrolytes, mm -hmm. but that's it. Like literally, yeah. that I mean, listeners, you should your mind should yeah. be blown right now how simple we've made, you know, nutri or Linda's nutrition. Like it does not have to be complex. Tiny bit of Coke towards the end. Remember yeah. Linda? Tiny yeah. Bit. A couple oh, sips. Yeah. I had this, oh, big, yeah. we had this big old jug of Coke. I'm like, drink I the Coke. And you yeah. had small yeah. amounts. Like, yeah. I mean, I yeah. think six, eight ounces total. Yeah. Towards the end, and, and, yeah. and run gum, run gum is something we use strategically. Oh, yeah. Also, a little bit the of caffeine. caffeine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Caffeine. But it doesn't, you know, it just doesn't have to be that that technical. And that, I don't know. That's just one of my 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 issues I have with some of these athletes. They're they're getting so complex, and they're you know kind of like what you said with the um, 
with the sucralose, Linda, where you don't know if your body is going to respond well or not, right? You just, you don't until it doesn't. And then hopefully you're not in the race. (laughs) Well, and it almost took me out of bad water the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it literally almost did. I don't need, to be honest, I was attributing the back issues to that that issue. Right. And now mm-hmm. I don't think at all that's what caused the back issue for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But right. still, it, it's, you know, I mean, all of this is in hindsight, but that's the beauty of being able to kind of work with it and then try it again under certain, you know, different circumstances. So, I mean, yeah, bad water, maybe when I'm 75, I don't yeah. know. But, how do we, how do we not get the back issue? With exactly. The huge part, because before that happened, I was making actually really pretty decent oh, time. Amazing totally. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it just, it just goes to show like, Dina, what you said too, and in Linda, you know, kind of echoing that where strength training needs to be in every, I don't care who you are, what you do, what gender, how old you are, strength training needs to be there. And sometimes it needs to ramp up on certain times of the year. And sometimes, you know, you can do more functional stuff, but uh, you know, that's one thing I respect so much of you, Linda, is just, you take the time to, to make sure your body's ready for these things. So we'll be ready when you're 80. Don't worry. We'll be here. Right. <laughs> Randy, like, my husband won't Randy. I know. Like, I know. Okay, He'll be he, like, he's mm-hmm. bigger and this will be, uh, this yeah. is a done deal because that would make him 86. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> he, he doesn't want to go to death Valley then. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, you are, I mean, you literally set the course record um, for females, right. For the, for the oldest female finishing Badwater now. So it's yeah. just, it's just gonna, it's gonna, it's going to happen at some point, some female who you've inspired will say, you know what, I can do oh, that. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm 71 and I'm going to try. So yeah. again, props to it's you g- for just opening that up. Yeah. It's going to happen. And that's why you do it because yeah. records are made to be broken. They're not exactly. there. For, you know, you're not holding on to them. So yeah, uh, you know, there will be, and I hope so, because that is why you do it. Yeah. You hope somebody else will do it. Totally. Well, you know, you've yeah. inspired so many people and, and and my mom specifically too, where she loves me <laughs> telling the stories like, what, where are, you, where are you guys going now? What is she doing I now? Know. And, you know, her, her name, where's is, the crazy lady going now? <laughs> that's, well, she kind of says that. And, and it's funny because yeah. her name is Linda also, and she's got a little bit of a crazy in her too. And I know she listens to the podcast. So mom, I love you to death. Um, but no, I mean, she, lo- so you are, I mean, literally you are inspiring. This inspiration is just bleeding, spilling over into so many people. Like my mom, my mom works out, right? She lifts weights, she does classes, she walks, but she wants to walk farther. Like, it seems like whenever we do yeah. events with you, she starts walking farther. It's just, it's amazing, right? But She's like, yeah, I did a six mile every, walk today. Everybody, yeah. And everybody finds wherever they're and whatever that is for them. This just yes. happens to be me because I truly love it. I really love what yeah. I do. And I love the training. I mean, yeah. I complain every once in a while or I don't want <laughs> to do it, but it's not like, all of us, know. but yeah. yeah, but honestly, I really love it because the race is kind of the icing on the cake. Really? It's totally. like, well, totally. all that work that you did finally comes to fruition and you see that you, you were capable. So yeah. Whatever that is for anybody, you know, yeah, yeah, totally. 5k. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. Your love, your passion for this. You, as you mentioned, you're 70 years old and right. most people be like, you know, I'm just going to sit in my chair. I'm going to drink my coffee or my tea and I'm just going to oh. finish out however much time <laughs> I have left. 
not you, not uh, Linda Quirk. No. What's no. next? What's what's coming up? What's on the radar here now? Well, you know, because of, I was accepted into Badwater, because you never know. So I had already been uh, accepted into the Tahoe 200. And because right. that mark has eluded me, the 200, the 250. Uh, right. I tried, but it hasn't happened yet for me. So I signed up for it, got in, but then I, I asked to be deferred once I got into Badwater. So because now the I'm, dates were because they changed yeah, the they date in Tahoe. Way, yeah, too way close. too close. Yeah. Way, there's no way I could have done them. Both. Yeah. And um, in fact, Tahoe just happened this last weekend. I it think. did. Yeah. 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 So that is now I'm back in for next year. So that's definitely that. there. <laughs> and our the North Pole better happen. Yep. The <laughs> North Pole year. Marathon. Yeah, it's a it's only a marathon, but it's in the North Pole. And that's the furthest point that I still have to get to. I've gone to <laughs> Antarctica enough times, I just haven't been made it to the North Pole. So it's kind mm. of those types of things. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot crossing my mind. I keep thinking like TDG, yeah. I, I, I just, because of the altitude, I've tried three times and couldn't get it, mm -hmm. but I would love to just go live over there for six months if I could at some point, you know, when Randy isn't working again and yeah. train in there in the Alps, just train yes. in them. And then be able to do it. I don't know that's ever going to happen, but I'm yeah. never saying never because it's in the back of my mind. So yeah, you just again. can't say never. Say never. Who knows? You. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just—I mean—it just amazes me. I know some listeners are still picking up their jaws right now, and they're like, "Linda's seven years old, and she's she's doing all this." We know the why, obviously, but they're like North Pole Marathon, Tahoe 200, and again, like so many people want to slow down even when they're over 50. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's, I don't know the message you have. And that's why I feel honestly, you're one of the most inspiring people I've ever uh, met in my life. And I so appreciate our friendship and everything, but you just, I mean, you inspire me like crazy and I do some pretty crazy, stupid things sometimes. Right. But you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you kind of facilitate that sometimes too, which I thank you for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. His family's not going to like me either for a while. After a while. <laughs> I mean, I might have blamed a few things on you, Linda, you know, to my husband, like, oh, Linda inspired me to do this and the dream big and go just hugely inspiring. I, again, just for all ages too, like if we're in our thirties and forties, just thinking forward the opportunities and possibilities. So but, you know, honestly, think about this, guys, you know, like I had the, I think it was the not misfortune, but the, if you look at anything that happens in your life, good or bad, there's always something that you can learn from it that is positive. And even my accident, what it showed me is that life is gone in a fleeting mm -hmm. second. And so if I had, I just live every single day, I, you know, I take calculated risks. I don't go just willy nilly off and do silly things right. and not think about or prepare for what I'm doing. But I want to, I'm living life the way that I want to live life. Now that might be different for somebody else, but I don't believe in just, you know, 
picking up my knitting, I mean, needles, not, I'm not opposed to knitting, but, um, you know, it's just not for me. It's just like, I can't sit, I can sit and I can be with myself, but I don't want to waste my life just watching TV or saying, oh, well, now I'm 70. So life is over. It's not, it's kind of just beginning for me is what I'm seeing. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I'm I mean, so look at what I'm doing, but look at what I'm doing. My body is saying I'm better now than when I was 60. Yes. It's, it's crazy, but yeah. it's what's happening. Yeah. It's and the I'm whole so... aging. It's the aging kind of Pandora's box, right? People think, oh, I'm getting older, chronological age. So yeah. I should be slowing down or I can't do this. I can't do it. Yeah, you can. Like yeah. age is a number. Yeah, yeah. I think that that phrase is over overused but honestly like we're seeing our longevity improve in some people because they're paying attention to nutrition and physical fitness and sleep and all these other things that we can now bring into our life which have always been there but they should be more important to us right and and if people would see that you know like yeah i have my missed days i have days that you know i I don't limit myself so to speak but i I look at what the benefits are of what we're doing nutritionally right? and what I'm doing athletically. And I mean, you know, if something goes wrong, I fix it. Yeah, A lot of people are afraid to fix right. what is wrong or right. they don't want to know what is wrong because, yes. but it's, it's such a limiting factor. If you just take that out of your brain and look at, again, I'm pretty in tune to my body. So it's like, if something isn't working right, case in point, bad water, I got that what we thought was plantar fasciitis. They're giving yep. me a cortisone shot in my foot so I can go do bad water. I get out there. I say, hey, guys, my, can you get my Valtorin? And I rub it on my calf. Yeah. And lo and behold, everything that was in the foot is gone. Exactly. So up the chain. I don't know why exactly. I didn't do that to be two weeks before the race to do that. But there it is. It, you know what? It has not returned. So, oh, that's fantastic. There you have it. Yeah. (laughs) There are are those small things that those aha moments, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Dina, anything else for Linda? You know, I just, I just had one other question kind of going back a little bit, Linda, just as women and Mm -hmm. through our master's years, was there anything you can think of just reflecting like with menopause transitions? Cause you were kind of getting into all this endurance stuff. I know you changed nutrition from early adulthood, but Mm -hmm. was there anything related to, to um, yeah, I mean, I, I had a hysterectomy way early on. Um, and so I never went through the typical menopause or perimenopause. However, three years ago, I blew out my adrenals. I had no reserves, zero. It was on a trail by myself. I just shut down. My body shut down. And what we, I learned, I have, I now see an endocrinologist and because of the hysterectomy, I had zero hormones Mm -hmm. in me. So women that have our bodies produce estrogen, they produce all these things. And so all I required in order to bring me back and recover from all of that, I do use a very minor, small amount of an estrogen 
patch. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, I, I take my, a multivitamin. I don't take a whole lot of, of medicines at all. But hormones do play, and I think that might be part of the reason why some women are not continuing on mm-hmm. is because we either are depleted or not replenishing where needed. Like for me, I had zero. Right. And so by by her doing this whole scenario on, I mean, I have every, and every six months I go through the blood work and make sure that. Uh, not only my adrenals, but cortisol, all of these things are in, in sync. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not supposed to, <laughs> I am not supposed to be doing what I'm doing because she <laughs> believes that we're actually killing ourselves by doing that and using <laughs> up all of these, you know, hormones. But then in the same breath tells me I have the strongest chemistry she's ever seen. And I'm like, well, why do you think that is, you know, I was like, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. So, you know, so I, I do listen to all of the expertise. I have people in different arenas, like nutrition for you, you guys with nutrition, Bob with the nutrition and also my training, Mm -hmm. but also you know, my medical, I watch all of that. I know what my numbers are. I know if something is being depleted, I wear a whoop. So I know what my HRV is every day. I mean, I pay attention. And I think if women watch those things and actually enlist the help of an endocrinologist or somebody who really understands our bodies and can keep you in the game longer, why not? Yeah. As long as it's healthy and it's pure, it's not manufactured or synthetic. I don't do any of that. Um, no. So, Got yeah. It. Good. It sounds like you take a proactive approach to your personal yeah. health, which everybody should, instead of taking the yeah. you know, passenger seat, mm-hmm. right? You should be the driver in your life and your health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, because, you know, I did take, I'll quickly, I did take her advice um, when she was trying to get my adrenals and everything back in sync. And I was not to do anything other than right. just some gym work or some yoga mm-hmm. in which I, I just go brain dead on that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just not exciting to me, oh, yeah. to me. And so what I then found all of a sudden, I've got like arthritis in my right oh. knee. And I, I go like, where'd that come from? You know, and I go to the orthopedic, he said, well, you never knew because you were always active. It's when you become uh, inactive yeah. that it shows up. So go back to doing what you were doing. So I did. You know, exact I mean, it's opposite again. message yeah, yeah. that most physicians <laughs> tell us. Yeah. So there you have it. It's like pay attention, but yeah. do what your body requires you to yeah. do. Mm-hmm. And it, that could be different for everybody. So, right, right. right. You know, exactly. disclaimer there what, what works yeah. for me may not work for everybody. <laughs> yeah. And, and, of, and of one, that's one of our favorite sayings. And of yes. one, and it, it depends, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Linda, I know uh, before we get to our last high five questions, which you listen to our podcast, so you, so you don't know the questions, but you know what I don't know the do. questions, but yeah, yeah. Um, I know you have to get to one of your training sessions. Uh, and just to let people know, we're recording this about just under three weeks post finishing Badwater. And I just, I just want to share this quick story and, and we shared it offline, but just so our listeners know, Linda texted me last night and on her training plan today, she had a two hour hike. 
And I, she texted me, she said, instead of the hike, can I just grab my tire and do some repeats, tire repeats up the hill that I do usually. And, you know, I would, I usually am surprised by things, you know, if it was five, 10 years ago with Linda, but I'm like, now I'm like, oh yeah, go for it. So listeners, just to give you an idea, <laughs> this is, you know, Linda just finished Badwar less than three, three weeks ago, asking to do tire sprints up the hill. And if you're not we're or, or kind of keen on what that is. That is wearing a belt, attaching a tire that you put on your car behind you, running, sprinting fast up a dirt road, and then walking back down to build fitness. So um, I'm pretty sure anybody could do this. We have the means to do it. Like I've manufactured my own little tire poles, but just to kind of give you a little peek into, you know, Linda's psychology. Um, that's, that's how Linda works. And that's why we love you. That's one of the reasons why we just love you to death. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm crazy. <laughs> well, I think we all are a little bit crazy. I think that's why yeah. I love you so much. Mind blowing. <laughs> so yeah. Dina, I've got a few questions. Did you, did you write down a few questions? Yeah. For, for yep, yep. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I I'm happy to start. Okay, go for it. Linda. Okay, yeah. So Linda, you already know our high five questions, just yeah. kind of semi-rapid fire. I was curious when you have a hard workout and you're grunting through it, grinding through it, uh, when you finished, what is a favorite meal or beverage, like as a recovery kind of thing? I do easy, which is <laughs> I I hit I go for yogurt and blueberries. Love it. Perfect. It's Love kind it. of like having ice cream for me. Yeah. And it's cold. And I'm usually hot, usually by the time yeah. I'm done. And so I just, yeah. And I can just stick it in a bowl. I get those little, little containers. They're already measured out for yeah. you. Yeah. And I know I have that. And I eat blueberries every day because I love them. Awesome. Is it Greek, Greek yogurt? Yep. 5%. Perfect. Extra protein, by the way, listeners. Wow. All right. Number two, <laughs> what is the most recent book you've either read or listened to? Oh, this is going to be kind of a shameless plug for my, I, I love him. And a lot, I know a lot of people love him and a lot of people don't understand him is what I think. But I think I just read David Goggins. I did the audible of David Goggins new book, um, Unfinished. And it almost explains me to a T, but in a man's version with male language. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I'm gonna have I, to check honestly, that out. <laughs> um, he's I, I'm fortunate enough to know that he lives it right where I live in the same in the same complex that I yeah. live in. And he's he's very he's not he's kind of shy, you know, he's just a he, the persona that everybody has of him is so different, I believe than the person he is. He's always very kind, very nice. He's just a wonderful person, but he is a hard, hard worker. I, and I loved I loved Neat. the book for that reason, is that it kind of explains what endurance means to people, but it also explains his life and why he mm. does what he did. Mm. And uh, um, I can relate to almost every aspect of that book. Cool. And I can't wait that. to meet someday. I want to ask him if I can meet his mom. Yeah. Cause I'd love to yeah. meet his mom. Oh, yeah, nice. for sure. Yeah. So quick little thing, Dina, sorry, before you go, um, this is, this is a, a one, I second that, that, that book uh, recommendation. I read it a few months ago and just, 
awesome. Like awesome. I love, mm-hmm. I love everything about him also. And, and like you said, I've never met him, but he can sound a little rough around the edges, but his messaging is fantastic. But here's my story, D. And you don't, you don't know this because you were out with Linda um, pacing her in bad water at this particular time, but we were going into Lone Pine uh, with JP, Chris and I. And so Lone Pine is about 12 miles to the top of Whitney portal, uh, Mount Whitney portal. So we were, we were pretty you know close and we needed to get something to eat for everybody, right? And we're looking, there's not a lot in Lone Pine, a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of fast food and just blah stuff. And we found this sandwich shop and I'm like, yeah, we got it. This is it. I know, like, I know it's a chain. I'm like, yes, we got to go there. So this is a funny story because uh, JP and Chris, we were on the car. They dropped me off because I had to get water or something to you, Dina, yeah. for, for yeah. Linda. So I'm, they dropped me off. I'm running up the road to get you. And then I run back to the sandwich shop. You know, I'm all sweat. I'm just dripping with sweat. I walk in the sandwich shop, you know, and, and Chris and JP are, are getting the order and everything. And this guy walks up to me because, you know, I'm on, I have my reflective bad water shirt on and everything. He's like, hey, is that like, what is that? So I briefly told him as I'm profusely sweating what it is. And, you know, we're pacing and crewing. And he's like, oh, David Goggins kind of blank, blank, blank. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Okay. Let's, that's, that's perfect. But that was so funny that he just like, that was the first thing. And so mm-hmm. Goggins has inspired so many people, but I think also yes. brought it to fruition. Anyway, yes. that was my short story. Sorry, Dina, yes. for hijacking. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Good story. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, question number three, Linda. So you are an amazing cook and you like any food that I've ever had prepared for me, even simple stuff. It is so delicious, but I'm wondering, Linda, in your kitchen, what is a gadget you've got that you are using heavily that you just love? And oh, that's yeah. an easy one. I love my sous vide. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I yes. love it because it makes life easy. The food always comes out cooked correctly. Mm. You can make your sauces very quick. You just brown it. It's just, I love that thing. You can make those little egg bites. You can just make them up ahead of time, put them in the freezer and then just pop them in the microwave. You don't have to go to Starbucks for all that stuff. So good. I'm (laughs) drooling as you're describing all these things. (laughs) And you know, and you, oh, I have one other gadget. Can I have one other gadget? Okay, a little bonus. My almond milk maker and my nut butter maker. That, I make my own almond and cashew milk, every kind of nut milk. So much better. And Bob and I were lucky enough to try your, your batch of almond cashew milk, which was out of this world. Phenomenal. And there's no okay. preservatives. There's nothing so in it. Good. I know what I'm getting. Mm. Yeah. Listen, people just a shout out for that because it's on my list. I think everybody needs one of these, especially if you drink <laughs> a nut based milk, literally, because yeah. you don't, was... you don't get any of the gums, none of the crap basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah. some manufacturers are getting better at that, but there's nothing like just putting some nuts in this thing and getting your milk. Like mm. it is phenomenal. So good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I always look forward to visiting um, the Quirk Ristorante. Yes. <laughs> I always appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's my next question. This is, this is kind of an interesting one. Um, you're on a deserted Island and eventually you will be rescued um, but you know, there are no mountains, there are no trails, like you can't do much on there. What are three things that you would want to have with you? Wow. Yeah. Huh? Huh. Um, I'd want to have my tire trainer then. 
because I could just move that around. <laughs> I love it. I love that that was your first answer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's really sadistic is really what oh, is. What's going on? Oh, oh I'm crying probably, right now. I'd probably bring for sure my, you know, have a bathing suit so that I could swim. Okay. You know, just because I do love open water swimming too. Yeah. That's on my list of thing, more things to do. Yeah. Um, what would the third one be? A coffee maker. I have to have okay. my coffee in the morning. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm laughing, Dina, because we asked this to quite a few of our guests. Nobody said a tire trainer ever. And, no, well, usually it's like, oh, I'll bring a lighter so I can start fire. I'll bring... Oh, <laughs> but two of your three answers are exercise based. Oh, I love, I'm just doing a big virtual hug for you to you right now. Oh, I just love that. To death. Fun, okay. Fun. Okay, Dina, your turn. <laughs> All right, Linda. Well, Question number five, if you had one piece of advice to give to all the athletes out there, what would that one piece of advice be? To not overthink it, really. Just if there's something you want to do, sign up for it, find those that can help you achieve it, and then buckle down and do it. Too many people put off waiting till it's the right yes. time, the perfect yes. time or they're in the perfect shape or the perfect whatever. There is no perfect, there isn't. Just, you know, like I said, just commit to whatever it is that you wanna do and figure it out right after. And then oh. you take all the stress out of it. it it's so true, love, love it. And you did yeah. not even overthink that response. You were just like, boom, right on it. That's yeah. like perfect rapid fire question answer. <laughs> And, yeah. and quintessential Linda quirk right there. It is for like, sure. Like, oh my oh. God, I couldn't have said it better and nor would I have thought of yeah. that. So perfect. Thank you so much, Linda. Uh, well, well, Linda, thank you we, guys. we cannot wait for your next adventure. We can't wait to be part of the next one where, where we can join you uh, because they're so much fun for us, honestly. And listeners, we just hope you gain some, some great uh, camaraderie, some laughter, some knowledge from this episode and literally and, and we just will hopefully check in with Linda you know from time to time when you're you know doing these <laughs> these things throughout your life because I think your messaging is so much more than just exercise or train or do competitions yeah. or events yeah. I, it's it's so much it goes so much deeper so we just want to say thank you so much we appreciate your time we we know you need to go pull a tire and get, get <laughs> busy important with that things. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I want to get it done before it gets too hot. <laughs> I know. Right. I know. We'll let you go for that. Listeners, we so appreciate you being with us. Linda, again, from the bottom of our heart, we love you to death. And thank yes. you for being on our podcast yeah. today. You're welcome. And thank you both for being part of my team. So oh, thank, thank you. you thank you. All right. Bye. Bye now. Bob, now that Linda has left the room, I'm wondering wondering here if we can share a few things about our experience at the Badwater 135, you know, from our side, a few things we didn't mention when she was on with us. I think that'd be pretty cool. And sometimes you don't need to mention this when the athlete is listening, right? <laughs> because I mean... there are some things as crew members that, you know, you do some different thing. You do what you need to do to get your 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 yeah. runner to the finish line. Like you just do. Like I'm not talking bad things, but you know, no. sometimes you just you just you just gotta play the game sometimes, right? <laughs> I think so. I will say, and 
this could be semi-controversial, but I think it is easier to be the athlete than be the crew member. hundred percent. Oh, I would. So I, now I don't know if I'd want to be out in bad water, but I, yeah, I do think that I, well, I don't think that I know that from personal experience. I suppose I should clarify easier is in air quotes, like, (laughs) because the conditions at bad water and some of these other events that, um, that we or I have crewed, yeah, pretty brutal. But there's a lot going on from the crew side, right? Well, and, and neither is a walk in the park. Listen, you're going to run 100 plus miles. I mean, that's not a walk in the park. But a lot of times, you know, because <laughs> I've I've debriefed with a few of the of my other athletes that I work with, and like, oh, how was it? Because you know, like, oh, how was? Wasn't it just easy? Don't you just sit in a car? Don't you oh, sit in yeah. a van? And you're like, oh no, quite the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, don't you just pour more water into their bottle and give them a little high five and then totally reading books in the in the van. Yeah, yeah. Like playing some cards, whatever. No, I mean I'm sure there are those times, right? But but not, you know, I, I think maybe let me let's quickly go back because crewing actually starts a little before you get to the event, right? Now it does depend. Now I totally get that. Like if you're if you're someone new on the crew, right? So if, Mm -hmm. you know, the, and usually the athletes um, normally will select their crew members. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you're new and you're like, wow, I haven't been there. And that's what happened to us at Badwater. Like we had JP, wonderful gal and Mm -hmm. uh, Lyndon, you were, I met her once um, and just turned out to be just amazing person. But, you know, as JP coming on a new, on a crew, that's not new, like you and I and Chris have crewed before. It's it's a little different, right? But it begins before all this happens, right? So yeah. it's like picking the crew, and then you've got to assign the crew chief and different roles. And you know, I'll even say as Linda's coach in in nutrition, you know, sport dietitian, like there's like years of preparation, literally, in nutrition and coaching and trying out different things. You know, we used UCAN, we used uh, my energy butters, we used Delta G for literally over a year in training first mm-hmm. and trying to do different conditions. So, you know, listeners, I'm just saying that because it's not just, hey, you get to your race and pack the car and you go, right? There's a lot of prep work. And even I'll say, because I kind of came into the the crew chief role in this, like, I've got to make sure, you know, I told another one of my athletes this, I'm like, I, I also kind of, maybe this is just the dad in me, right? But I want to make sure the crew is doing what we need to do also to stay healthy and, you know, just on and because we're of no use to the athlete if something's wrong with us, right? right. And whether it's dehydration or malnourishment or whatever it is, right? So I think there's there's a lot of different angles that go into the preparation of it. I think it's really important that proactive aspect, especially when you have crew members that don't know each other in advance. Yes. I mean, like you said, you, me, and Chris had crewed for Linda before. And then we had um JP, our new our newer crew member yeah. who hadn't crewed much, maybe at all, I don't think. Um, just being on the other side, but I loved our little pre-race meeting with just the four of us. We mm-hmm. had a meeting with Linda as well, but just to your point, um, discussing, you know, what the strategies would be our backup plans and really having open conversation and just getting a feel of the vibe, super important, even though mm-hmm. we're all there for the same end goal is just like to help each other. Um, like you're saying, as as crew chief, you want to keep everyone on point too, because the more that we're 
alive and well, the more that we can help her accomplish the goal. So I, I really appreciated that. Um, and plus I'm a touchy feely, like woo woo. I want to like have yeah. a blast as much as possible since this is a commitment of time right. and energy. And, you know, I think to echo that too, the organization is huge, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not, I'm not talking about type A, you know, OCD stuff, but just being organized, like you were saying, like having a meeting, you know, we had a meeting with our crew and Linda, then we had a separate meeting because we all need to be on the same page. But again, at the end of the day, it's all about getting your athlete to the finish line, the most successful way without injury, without anything happening negative, right? So it's, there are, there are some things to, you know, think about. And, you know, depending on the race, we're obviously just talking about bad water, but there are different logistical hurdles, right? So with bad water, obviously we know it's hot, it's uh, windy, it's very dry. Yes. Um, you know, there aren't that many aids or not aid stops. There aren't that many opportunities to get food and water and ice. So you, you kind of, that was, I think some of the tricky things for us is we needed mm -hmm. a plan because what we did listeners was we actually planned to kind of, kind of hopscotch, if you will, about every two miles or so mile and a half, two miles with mm -hmm. our car to intersect Linda to make sure she had water and, and necessary um, fuel and, and clothing and headlamps, like anything, you name it. But that, you know, depending on pace, that could be literally, you know, anywhere from about 20 to 30 minutes, depending on the part of the course. But, you know, you have to be on the entire time. But yeah. my point too, is we only had 20 or 30 minutes to in between we would see in where we see her, right. where we would have to go get ice, go get water. And sometimes they're not that convenient. So right. it's, it's, it's not just all, you know, Hey, we'll just hang out in the van all, all exactly. 45 hours. <laughs> and unique to bad water. There are no aid stations for yeah. food. So we have to be self-sufficient in the vehicle, not only for Linda, but for the four of us. And then these long distances between like the little towns where we could get mm -hmm. ice resupply or try and get some food and remember try Bob. Um, I can't yeah. remember if you were with anyways, just trying to get um, enough <laughs> for all of us at regular intervals could be a yeah. challenge. Um, and this race this time around for her, she started at 8 p.m. Right? right on July 4th. So we had already yep. been up all day. I think some of all us day. tried to nap, although mm -hmm. I, I did not. But so you're already going into the evening hours with, um, you know, maybe you had a nap, but the start of the race being in the evening and knowing we would have these long hours ahead just poses some challenges right off the, you know, right off the bat. Yeah. Huge challenges. Cause yeah. races usually start at oh, dark 30 in the morning, mm -hmm. right? You come off of a, yeah. not a great night's sleep, but you get a few hours yeah. of sleep and then you're like, okay, I'm charged. Even if it's a, you know, one or two day event for crewing, it's like, okay, I can do this. But yeah, to your point, I mean, cut off for bad waters, 48 hours. Um, and we went into it basically not sleeping from that, the morning of the evening start. So yeah, it, it, it kind of poses a long day. I mean, we'll get into whole naps and sleeping here in a second, but I do want to kind of touch um, on what you said earlier, because I think it's important. Totally forgot that because it's just so we're so used to that. Right. But there are some races that have full on like ultra runs that have full on stocked aid stations. And, mm -hmm. you know, those are the ones you love to visit and you're chatting with yeah. the volunteers and they're so awesome being out there. 
No, that doesn't exist at Badwater, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about the crew and back to organization. You've got to have the car, the van or the whatever organized. And, you know, since we did Badwater 10 years ago, they changed the rules. Like we were only allowed one car, one vehicle had to be a certain size, not over a certain size. So we had to be really methodical with our organizational skills in this car because we're essentially fitting four crew members. Um, now, after a pacer is allowed, obviously, then you drop one one pay, one crew member. Um, so yeah. that person will be out and about. But then you've got three in a car with all these supplies, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, just... yes. Now I'm remembering something. Yeah. Right, well, right. And you know, Linda didn't mention this, but due to the rules, she could have had a pacer at, right. was it mile three or five? Mile I three, can't... three. And Linda chose. In true to... fashion. I know, true fashion of Linda. She chose to pick up her pacer when everyone else could have a pacer, which was, was it mile 42-ish? 42, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, Linda, you're amazing, but on the downside, that meant all of us were stuck in the car until <laughs> mile 42. It's true, right? I'm just kidding. It wasn't that bad. But yeah, we uh, wanted to get out there. <laughs> yeah, just being with her. So 42 miles, I can't recall exactly how long that was, Bob, that we were um, following her along before one of us started pacing. Right. Yeah. You know, I think, okay, so we've got the organization, you've got the food, you've got the supplies. Uh, you have to know, like everybody has to know where everything is at every single second, because if I'm going to jump out of the car and pace, I need to make sure that you three know exactly where the Delta G, the UCAN, the energy butter, the cream for this, the cream for that, like whatever, yeah, exactly. right? And yeah. that that's really important to know and because it's like a constant revolving door with the pacer. Now we were lucky mm -hmm. to have Chris uh, be our driver for the entire time, right? Which mm -hmm. was awesome because that amazing. then then we, you and I and JP kind of played the pacer role. So then we knew it was just three of us that kind of needed to, now Chris needed to know also everything where they're located, but it's important, right? Because yeah. we needed to know, okay, coming in on a spur of the moment, I need to make this right? right so i need to know exactly where things are right and that's mm -hmm. that's a good a good point in bring being a crew you can't just dilly dally like you're just not out there with your phone doing some some ig instagram stuff videos and mm -hmm. like you gotta you gotta be on point the entire yeah. time right exactly and you know that organization piece which i definitely applaud you for for mentioning that because we can't express enough the importance of that but just having the you know the cooler with the extra mm -hmm. flasks prepared and and for everyone to know what her ratios were for the things we were mixing um so that we were trying to be as efficient as possible when she we would see her to swap bottles or like you're saying if she needed some foot care or other medicinal mm -hmm. um ointment or things like this for the body um, just the efficiency aspect because we didn't have much time to dilly dally. And so with the coolers, cause we had two coolers, thankfully, mm -hmm. um, but that was handy. Just trying to keep certain things more accessible and then like backup items in another cooler, um, with the space that we had in the vehicle, though, at times that could get challenging just uh, with fatigue. Like, where was that again, Bob? And yeah. where's my snack, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow. Well, and I found it it 
kind of difficult and for listeners out there who've crewed or will be crewing maybe is yeah we had two coolers you're like wow you're just living the life with two coolers but listen when you're in bad water you've got to get ice very very you know you you have to be very methodical and when you get ice right and where it's going to go but what i found was like we had certain supplies in each of the coolers but when we did ice runs and then new ice came in everything that we had now like food wise or you know beverage wise was now either on the bottom or in a different cooler yeah so it seemed like every time we had to make a new ice run we had to familiarize ourselves with okay where where did this end up <laughs> you know because yeah, i remember sticking my hand in those and it felt good at certain points but oh, not at other points you stick your hand in the the, the ice in there and there's some yeah. water in there and you're trying to find something I mean, my hand would freeze. Like I had to pull it oh, out yeah. quite a bit, right? So plus at night, remember at that night, too. Right. Yeah, that was interesting. So it goes. It, yes, you have to be organized. And I would just say, even though you know where things are, you have to. With bad water, there's constant change because of mm-hmm. the environmental stress. I was curious, Bob, since we kept notes throughout yeah. Linda's journey here to the finish line, um, and running some tallies of the nutrition and and some of those goodies. Do you have some summary notes that you can share? Well, I sure do. And for the listeners, just so you know, obviously there were two um, pretty much uh, geeks on the on the crew, those being Dina and I, and we had our little composition notebook. And our goal was to, because there would never be a time where Dina and I would be out pacing at the same time because you're only allowed one pacer at Badwater. The pacer had to be to the left of the athlete behind. So it was really interesting rules, but we tried to keep the most methodical nutrition diary as possible. And it's funny because I'm looking at it right now, Dina, and you know, between both you and I, it's it's just, we tried to follow a certain system and we were like, we've done this before, right? I was waiting for you to give me a hard time because my note system well, you're, I started to... with your note system and then I made, I, I tried to, I tried to keep, keep with it, but then I kind of made a different note system because here's the thing. Here's the thing, listeners, you can't just have one person keeping nutrition notes because they're going to sleep. They're going to pace yeah. they're, they're going to forget, but then you've got to be on par with the other person keeping notes in terms of the organization. Otherwise you spend hours like we did. And, and again, we've been through this before together, Dina, right? Yeah. But we spent hours in the car. Remember the car ride back home? Oh, like, yes. okay, Dina, can you, cause you did all this. Cause right. Cause I was driving, um, you know, and you were, you were trying to collate everything. And, and I, I think again, to the best of, of our knowledge, this, these are the, the totals, which I'll share in a second, but I didn't want to just jump into the totals because a lot goes into it. Right. Cause yeah. like, I remember like if, if you came off pacing Linda, if you didn't remember, I would have to say, okay, what did she drink water? Was it you can, was it Delta G? Like, what did she eat? What did, what happened? How many times did she pee? Did she exactly. defecate at all? Right. And you have to, you have to ask that. Cause again, when we're all sleep deprived, you're not remembering to tell Bob when you come to the car. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. She had six ounces of, maybe it was five ounces of water. Well, wait a second. Let's look at the water bottle. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wait, exactly. She's gone. <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah, it can it can be a challenge to be as accurate as possible with all the moving be. parts yeah. and pieces. But I would recommend, I'm still teasing, I will share these totals, but I would recommend also um, we had to be on point with keeping up with her bowel movement uh, frequency and her urination frequency, because that's a really important piece of the nutrition puzzle if you're going to do things longer than a day, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Because 
after that, then things can really start happening. Like mm-hmm. you can, I think you can kind of fake it with some dehydration for under 24 hours. You don't want to, but you, mm-hmm. you can, but over 24 hours, listen, you got to be methodical in knowing how much your athlete is drinking and eating. But one way of knowing that also is to see how much they're peeing and pooping. Right. Mm-hmm. So you also have to get, you know, I, I remember like I circled those like pee and poop, you know, I circled yeah. those. So we would know where that happened. Um, so I just, I just want to throw that out. And should we maybe share the types? We kind of talked about a little bit of the food with Linda, but let's just go through like what we brought. Right. I mean, yeah. and maybe what she had. So I'm just going on memory. These are the easy ones and, and I'll, I'll pass it to you here in a second, but we had, we had, you can cocoa delights, um, energy plus protein powder. We had Delta G performance ketone esters. Uh, we had some of my all around snack co energy butter and energy bites. We had uh, you can hydrate electrolyte powder. Yeah. We had bread we had avocados, turkey, peanut butter, jelly. And by the way, that was um, really good peanut butter, really good jelly. Uh, but I don't think we had too much of that. Um, what am I missing, D? You mean for for her, just, for everybody? No, what did, what did we bring in for the car? Her. Yeah. Oh, just, yeah. yeah. Not JP stuff, because we'll get into that <laughs> in a different episode. JP, yeah. you know you're listening and you're laughing right now. No, we had like a payday bar, a couple payday bars for her just in case. Yeah, right? there was a, a Coke purchased later a on. Coke, yeah, bananas, right? So bananas. I think the usual, but listeners, what you don't hear a lot of is like not a lot of candy. I mean, the payday bar was like an emergency. Coke was an emergency. Not a lot of candy, not a lot of yeah. these things that sometimes you see at these aid stations because that's not Linda, right? We knew mm-hmm. we didn't prime, we didn't teach her digestive system to do that and she can't handle yeah. that. So just to kind of give you an idea of, of where we we were with all these different food and different sport nutrition yep. product um, offerings. Yeah, that was the extent of it. That was. I mean, I'm looking at the list and re- literally that's it. Oh, we had ramen. I think she had like a few oh, bites of right. ramen. That's true. We got it at that one store. A little store. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she had one little boiled potato. Like when I say little, I mean like a finger like potato. Oh my gosh. I forgot about <laughs> the teeny little potato. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's. Should we get into the totals now? Yeah, let's review some of that. So this might be shocking to some listeners. And let me just set this up. Everybody is N of one, but also, you know, Linda has been doing this for, I mean, decades, right? And she knows her body. She knows what works. And we've deviated sometimes to try to try new things, but we just, we just know what works for her. It's very simple. It's very easy. It's very metabolically efficient. Um, you know, I'll argue with anyone that you don't need a lot of simple sugars in an event like this. Uh, it's just gonna, it's not going to turn out well for most people. Like some people can pull it off, but not the majority. So that all said, I'm going to report these. Well, would you like totals for the 45 hours and change that it took her to finish? Or would you like per hour? I think the per hour is more relatable. Okay. okay so let's go per hour. So we've got calories per hour for, again, she finished just over 45 hours. Okay. Put that in context. Calories per hour was, drum roll, please, Dina. Okay. Nope. I don't no, can't, you can't roll that, that R. Can you? That, that's a tough one. I can't roll R's either. No. Okay. Calories per hour, 105 calories mm. per hour. Okay. Now that's yeah. actually up from what Linda usually does. Cause we it were is. trying to push it a little bit, right? Cause bad water, extreme conditions. We knew we needed calories, especially early on. So 
a lot of listeners um, pull your jaw up from the ground. Because, I know. You know. I did say 105. 105. 105 per hour. Now that may seem really, really low, but again, everybody's different. We trained her to be very metabolically efficient for this. But here's the thing also, like we don't want to, in extreme conditions like this over 45 hours, you don't want to just be a feeding machine. Like it's, it's not like digestion does not like to work that well when it's 120 mm -hmm. degrees outside. I'm mm -hmm. just going to say that. Right. So right. you have to kind of take that in context for the actual race and the race conditions. So this is what I found really interesting. Do you have those 105 calories per hour? Let's break down the grams of carbs, protein, and fat. Cause this is interesting. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Grams of carbohydrate per hour, nine. Oh, really? What? What? Okay. Wait. Well, my jaw just dropped, but anyway, my jaw dropped when I was doing the math, you know, that, that we mm -hmm. put together here, because what do we know these days? Endurance athletes, sport nutrition research guidelines recommends 30 to 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying those are wrong. I'm just saying Linda was trained to be efficient right yeah, now. Yeah. Here's what's even more interesting. So nine grams of carbs per hour, five grams of protein per hour. Okay. And then three was, grams of yeah. fat. Okay. So looking at that, that's about a two to one, you know, we talk about, I always talk about the hand ratio, right? The one to one, two to one, three. To one. So she was consuming, you know, nine grams of carb per hour, five grams of protein. So that's about, I mean, just under a two to one ratio mm -hmm. uh, of gram of carbohydrate to protein per hour throughout 45 plus hours. I mean, with some, with some fat thrown in there. I can't remember Bob went because she was using the Delta G throughout. Mm -hmm. um, if we tallied like how many grams of oh, Delta G, of... I don't remember doing that little column specifically well, unless you did it. She used six Delta G performance oh, bottles. Right. We did track right? that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so we could do the math. Yeah. At different intervals. Are you doing the math for me? Nope. <laughs> I want to say the Delta G performance has 25 grams of the ketone ester per bottle. Is that correct? 27 grams. I'm oh. just on there looking on their website, okay. not to correct you, but 27 grams. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, that's with the newer formulation. The newer I was formula. at one of my old bottles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I, uh -huh. So 27, okay. so it's 162 grams of ketones, ketone esters. Interesting. And we do yeah. not have guidelines for ketone use mm -hmm. per yet. Exactly. Guys, but you and exactly. I have some of that on our own. Right. Right. For right. sure. Mm, okay. All right. So that would, um, that would equal 3.6 grams of ketone esters per hour. And obviously we, we use those more strategically and sporadically, not every hour, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Do you and have fluid? Or I sodium, do, yeah. Uh, sodium. I have sodium. So sodium was 246 milligrams per hour. Yeah. What do you think about that? Like, I mean, Linda that's... doesn't sweat a whole yeah, lot. Right. He that's has the said thing. That before. And yeah. even though we were in brutal conditions for a long time, like 100, over 115 degrees for a while. Right. The pace at which she was moving, her lower sweat rate anyway. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not surprised by that range of sodium per hour. Yeah. 
Now, most people would be because they'd be like, wow, 115, 120 degrees. It's hot. You're sweating. Yeah. You're, right, you're like, what? Whoa, whoa. But yeah, you you do have to factor in the the physiological and you know variability, but also mm-hmm. the individual. Um, yeah, you kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together. It's not just all about environment. It's also about the physiology of the athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why we like to have sweat sodium concentration done, right? That testing yes. because it's test don't guess. Like once you know, and Linda's had it done so we can, like I've dialed this in for her so we know where she should be. Then it's just about yeah. playing with different environmental stressors. You know, if she's at altitude, if it's high and drive, if she's, you know, below sea level and it's 120 degrees, like Death Valley right. and bad water. So kind of interesting to look at, but yeah, that, that wasn't a surprise at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the fluids, right? That was difficult to oh, to get so 100% precise, right? Cuz yeah. if there's a little bit left in the flask and yeah. we're I mean, we're not exactly. weighing and measuring every single no. time, right? No, no. And so um maybe you could give the range of sodium or uh, fluid per hour that Well, we I don't have. have a range. I have our okay. best guess based yeah. on our records and it's mm-hmm. it's it's 6.8 ounces per hour. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, again, you think about it, most people like, well, that is low. Like Mm -hmm. she was, was she dehydrated? No, she wasn't dehydrated. Right. We, we kept an eye on that and uh, her urination schedule and everything, but uh, yeah, the fluid, like you said, there's a lot of wiggle room there because it's, it's so difficult and um, that, you know, and she'd suck on ice sometimes. So you just, you just don't know, but I mean, it's, I would say 6.8, I'd give it up to maybe eight or nine ounces, right. To be honest with you, just as a, as a safe range, but still a lot less than what some people need. But that here's the thing. That's the, that's the beauty of, of being different and different physiology. But also as we get older, um, our body doesn't respond as differently to fluids as we did when we're younger. Right. So, um, but again, with, with her, that's pretty typical in terms of Mm -hmm. her normal intake. So we weren't concerned about that at all. Yeah. And if, again, if we had plotted over time, the 45 and a half hours or whatever, you'd see like the yeah. rise in fluid and sodium during daytime when it was totally. hotter and totally. then kind of coming down in the evening at yeah. the second and we, night. And we did plan that because the nights, right. right we planned on right. not being too aggressive with electrolytes with the, mm-hmm. you can hydrate at night um, because of the environmental conditions. Right. Yeah. Which is Actually, I remember like the, was it the first night? I can't remember. It was like, it was like three o'clock in the morning. We're on that long road and you can just see everything and stars and the moon was out. And I just had this moment. I'm like, man, it's so beautiful out here. But then I started getting cold because again, what a lot of people don't realize is that obviously you're going through the night, but bad water goes from a few hundred feet or a couple hundred feet below sea level up to 8,600 feet. So as you progress in the race, you're actually gaining altitude so I, I just remember, like I was wearing my hat, I was wearing my arm sleeves. I wasn't cold, but I was like chilly. I know, Bob, but relative change, because we went from, I can't remember what the peak temp was, 116 or something yeah. Yeah. to like 72. Right, right. Oh, it was still warm, but yeah. relative to where we started, I was freezing as well. I think I yeah. had four layers on at one point <laughs> <laughs> and that was hilarious for me being a mountain girl like I what are you, i just turned into a wimpo yeah not being yeah. able to to tolerate 72 degrees right <laughs> well and it's important for you know for us to have that gear for linda too right for your yeah. runner because you don't know how their body is going to respond and that's it was it was interesting i just i just found that really i don't know why i found it so interesting but it was such a 
it was such a difference, like same way. Yeah. Like I was so cold. I'm like, it shouldn't be cold. 72 degrees. Right. But yeah. it's, it's a different type of cold and yes. you know, it's a very dry cold too. Right. Yeah. Now I did also record caffeine intake okay. and I don't think it's fair to put it, you know, milligrams per hour. Cause it was so mm. sporadic, but mm-hmm. she consumed a total of 335 milligrams of caffeine throughout the entire 45 hours. Oh, wow. That's not much. That's not much at all, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we used it very strategically, um, especially, you know, towards the end when we needed a little bit more of a oomph and, you know, especially used the Delta G ketone esters um, towards the end. I would just remember that I was, it felt like we were like in a loading phase to get up Mount Whitney, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow. It's fascinating. We'll be sure to put those in the show notes for anyone who's yeah. like, oh, this is interesting and yeah. maybe crewing other athletes in the future or um, using these kinds of products too. Right. Right. You know, I will say one more thing aside from nutrition, you know, it's important for the crew to be on the entire time to help your athlete because that's why you're there. And what we found that, you know, as we would switch out pacers, you know, we had about, like I said, 20 to 30 minutes in between um, times that we'd see her pull over on the road where it was safe and, and provide aid, but, you know, you got to take care of the crew, right? So we would actually try to get I don't even want to call it sleep. I don't even know what it was. It was closing your eyes, but literally, I mean, just a FYI, like we had to set our alarm, right? And, you know, it's- I'm laughing. Do you know what I'm going to say, Bob? I don't know. What are you going to say? Okay, who am I? Are you going to share my story? Who am I? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's let's set this up. It might have been that. Uh, so <laughs> when when three of us specifically were in the car, and I won't name them, Chris and I and Dina, and we were trying to close our eyes for a few minutes, and JP was out pacing Linda. Um, I don't know, Dina. I don't know what happened, but Chris had set his <laughs> alarm on his phone, and we're all trying to close our eyes. And I swear a wild pig jumped in I, our car. A wild pig or Miss up. Piggy from the Miss Muppets. Piggy. Either yeah. one. I'm not sure. So I don't know if you want to relive that, Dina, but that sound did come out of Dina's body. Well, what's sad is of the 66 hours I was on, I slept two minutes. And unfortunately, (laughs) in those two minutes or maybe six, I had the loudest snort, you know, snooze snort (laughs) that could ever be produced. And then it woke everyone else up and I was humiliated, embarrassed. And then I could never sleep. Like for the next week and a half, I didn't sleep because I was fearful of the Miss Piggy sounds. Did you get home and with your husband, you're like, I'm so sorry if I do this. I'm so sorry. I didn't know I did this, but evidently I do. I don't know. Maybe, (laughs) maybe there's sleep apnea as well. And that needs to be investigated. Yeah. So I, I think there's a couple lessons there. One, it's it's really good to know your crew, right? And maybe ask about their sleep habits. Um, although I don't think Dina would have shared that because she didn't know, right? Um, <laughs> but but two, that, you know, things happen in the car with the crew. Like you're not going to, like, even you're like, hey, I'm going to close my eyes for 20 minutes. Uh, that may or may not happen. And right. I'll tell you sometimes, like, I, I mean, my biggest fear is always to like, not be on or be sleeping when your runner is there, like they pass. And Linda did surprise us every so often. And not that we were sleeping, we're just like chilling and, you know, looking at the whatever stars oh, and, and we're like, oh, cause in the dark too, here's the thing. Oh yeah. You're just looking for headlamps. And, yep. you know, she had that little light on her shoe, which was good, but you can't see that well. Right. I mean, oh, Chris was our, no. our eyes, 
but um you're like is that her i don't know then you go back in the car and then all of a sudden you know not that she's knocking on the window but you're like oh crap she's like 20 feet away we've yeah. got to get that goes back to the knowing where everything is in the car <laughs> exactly Ooh. Man. Amazing though. What an experience, Bob. I love these opportunities. I think, yeah. you know, as, as sport dietitians, being able to be there in the field with our athletes and then seeing them do what they do. It's such a reward, yeah. uh, despite, despite the challenges that there that exist, it's still yeah. quite an endeavor. I don't know many sport dietitians who actually do this. I mean, you know, we, we did this 10 years. I started with her like 12 or 13 years ago and she's like, yeah, I come to Brazil. I'm like, what? Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's tremendous being there, but to, and as as a sport dietitian to live that and to actually Mm -hmm. roll up your sleeves, like that's our lab. Like, you know, we don't need to be in a university lab. Like that is our laboratory essentially. So just to speak to that, I mean, just to, you know, kind of give us both pats on the back of having that real life experience. And that's what that is. That's Mm -hmm. being out there with your athlete, living it right. And in, in, under the same conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, we congratulate Linda again on her accomplishment and for inspiring so many uh, out there. She's huge and can't thank her enough for doing what she does. And allowing us to accompany on her on all of her journeys. We so appreciate that too. Mm, big fan. Yeah. So listeners, if you do have questions about this, again, just shoot us an email. Hello at InsideSportsNutrition.com. If you have questions on what we did or anything else that you want to get into detail, we'll put all the the detail, like the numbers, the nutrition numbers in our show notes, but yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys yeah. and gals just, you know, or maybe just tell us yeah. what you're up to. Are you going to crew for one of your athletes? Who knows? Right. Yes. And if you have a snore that is louder than mine, please leave a audio recording so that I am <laughs> not alone in the world. <laughs> and with that, I think we will close this episode. Okay. So listeners, we so appreciate all of you. Thanks for being awesome. And we'll see you on our next episode. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode. If you made it this far, you are awesome. And we greatly appreciate you for being here with us and definitely reach out to Bob and myself if you have an interest in these group nutrition coaching programs that are guaranteed to give you amazing information, tools, and strategies to empower you in whatever your health and performance journey is. Find Bob over at energyperformance, E-N-R-G-Performance.com or myself, Dina, over at nutritionmechanic.com. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We've got a fun conversation with Linda Quirk, who just completed the Badwater 135-mile foot race at the age of 70. First ever 70-plus woman to do that race. So we get to chat with her, hear the why behind doing this race, and so much more from Linda. And we also meet after that interview, just Bob and myself to chat about some of the crewing stories and do a little rundown of what happened from the nutrition side. So stay tuned next week for that one. If you've got a sports nutrition question, drop us a note, email hello at insidesportsnutrition.com or head over to that website insidesportsnutrition.com to drop us a note through the submit button. And you can also find show notes for all the other episodes and some other goodies on the website. 
If you have a minute, we'd also love your support in promoting this podcast. So you can share an episode. If you're on social media, tag us on Instagram, ISN podcast, find one of your favorite recent episodes and share that would be awesome. Or you could leave us a five-star rating on Apple Pods or Spotify. Both of those things really do help us grow and share our content with other listeners around the world. Greatly appreciated. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor. The information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or medical condition. This podcast is for information, education, and entertainment purposes only. 